Good day, beautiful people, and welcome back to All Shades of Black podcast. Bianca here, wishing you a very happy Friday. I hope everyone had an amazing week. And if it wasn't the best, hey, guess what? Today's a new day, it's Friday, and you made it. Are people still celebrating Friday in the pandemic? I don't know. Pandemic or no pandemic, I'm excited to get into today's discussion. But before we do that, I want to share some updates, logistics, if you will, about the podcast. So if you listened to our first episode last week, you know that Charlene and I will be your primary hosts. That's still true, but our dear Charlene got business to take care of, so she's going to be on here once or twice a month. On our off weeks, it will either be just little me holding down the fort or a guest host and myself who can give you some insight about either the mental health world or another aspect of our black health as it relates to mental health. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? I hope so. If not, let me see if I can say it more succinctly. So me and Charlene are going to be your main hosts for the podcast, but Charlene got things to do. So she can't be here every single week. So when she's not here, it's going to be me sharing some information and thoughts or myself and somebody else who has some helpful things to say. Now, hopefully that makes sense. I want to make sure I come on here. Correct. Okay. Next on the agenda is explaining how these first two or few or however many episodes uh, it takes will go. I'm going to start us off by laying down some foundational information in regards to mental health in the black community as I see it. For me, this means explaining what mental health is, its historical and current presence in our community, and reasons why it's important for us to get connected with support for building healthier minds, thoughts, and everything connected with that. All right, my good people, let's get started. First off, let's define what mental health actually is. So according to the World Health Organization, mental health is, quote, a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community, end quote. So basically, mental health means being healthy emotionally and in your thoughts. I thought it would be good to lay out that definition because a lot of times people associate the term mental health with being mentally unwell or mentally ill. So the perspective of getting mental health services somehow gets connected with one having a severe mental illness, which then pins someone as having an innate personality or character flaw. In some cases, people do have personality disorders or chemical imbalances that lend to unfavorable behaviors, but that doesn't mean all who receive mental health support have a severe mental illness. And if someone does have a severe mental illness, that doesn't mean we should just toss them out of society. We really have to put in some work against that stigma that people with mental illness should be avoided. That's like saying because someone has high blood pressure, diabetes, or cancer, They should be shunned and shamed for getting help from a doctor or specialist. In those physical cases, it's ideal to see a good doctor regularly to maintain health or to make sure that if there are any threats to overall health, they can be addressed and handled before it gets worse, right? This is how I think we should approach mental health. For most of us, it's our perspective of mental health in general as a field that deters us from receiving help. There are, of course, other factors like time, accessibility, finances, and such, 
But even without all of that, a lot of us delay seeking services because of the stigma that leads us to thinking that receiving services means we're not right in the head or we're too weak to handle things on our own or that the therapist is going to do some mind control and trick us into thinking things that aren't true. But guys, therapy is not a scene from Get Out. In my experience, life outside of session looks more like that, to be honest, but that's just me. But anyway, most therapists will create a space where you actually have agency over your own treatment. And if you feel like you don't have agency in your treatment with your therapist, then you should probably discuss that with your therapist or head for the hills where your help comes from and find somebody else. That's a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important we reframe our perspectives and conversations around mental health. It is also important that we address sources for the stigma around mental health in our community. If we look at the history of mental health, health, science, and research in general, really, in the Black community, y'all, it is not a good look. Most people are familiar with the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. Um, Those were the experiments where um, Black men who were diagnosed with syphilis um, were withheld treatment, intentionally withheld treatment. Um, for their syphilis, which led to them having severe physical and mental health issues and ultimately untimely deaths. Uh, In addition to that, black bodies have been used for physical health research, specifically in the foundations of women's health, women's health science that we know today, uh, which actually that foundational research connects a lot with the major disparities that we see in the black community with black women and our babies. If you want to learn more about that, I highly recommend this book called Medical Apartheid. It's written by a medical doctor by the name of Harriet Washington. Um, In saying that, I also suggest you pace yourself when you read it. It is a necessary, powerful, amazing book. It is also a book that is saturated with difficult truths hard truths and insight. And for me personally, when I take on material like that, I really have to pace myself so I can digest it properly. Otherwise, I'll probably start hating everybody and everything in the world. So um, just as a side note, uh, but yeah, those are just two major examples with the mistreatment of black people in research. And those examples are rooted in post-slavery, the post-slavery era, when the government and white elitists were trying to figure out what to do with black people since black people were no longer slaves. Um, so So they came up with like several ideas, including sending us back to Africa or sending us to South America. Idea courtesy of Lincoln, yes, this country's beloved Lincoln was thinking to send us to South America and to Africa because they didn't know what to do with us. Um, But yeah, so that was one idea. And another idea was to make our living conditions unbearable and putting us at severe disadvantages for upward social mobility. Sounds like that idea caught on. Yeah. Um, But in addition to that, um, and those ideas and that agenda, um, there was this move to use black bodies as disposable subjects for research. And even though we've come a long way, and when I say we, I mean people in the research, people in the science, hard science, soft science, social science, all of that science field. So that's what I mean in this context. Even though we've come a long way in terms of research restrictions and regulations, there's still work that needs to be done. There's this book called The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health by Dr. Rita Walker. Um, She makes a really good point 
in her book when she notes that there are still white researchers who will make their way to collect data about black communities, but don't really do much to make any transformative action for our community. So, I mean, there's still work to be done there. And I say all of this not to deter you from engaging with therapy, um, but to first and foremost acknowledge and affirm why we have our reservations for therapy or for the health system in general. I also say all of this to lend to the point that because of the historical factors that have caused us transgenerational stress, we need to plug into good culturally and socially conscious therapists who will advocate for us against those social forces and stresses that have us getting therapy in the first place. So, but let's talk about therapy itself. So therapy within itself is really nothing new and it certainly isn't something that white men made up. Um, Yes, I do realize in the Western world, most of our formal education is based on principles formatted by white, heterosexual, cisgender identifying men. But black people were doing holistic healing practices long before the slave trade. Um, There are plenty of African, uh, you know, traditions, traditions in our ancestry that included community informed restoration and redemption practices. Um, And they were used to assist with processing wrongdoings and trauma. The disruption of those types of practices because of white supremacy, that was also a disruption of our healing. You know, when mainstream world neglected to consider us human enough uh, to have any need for holistic healing. Granted, we are indeed creators, you know, that's in our, that's in our heritage. So we were able to find other ways to persevere through community, for example. Oftentimes that community has been found in churches or, you know, religious affiliated organizations or, you know, community centers, creative teams, institutions of higher learning like HBCUs or, um, you know, organizations that are intended to elevate us like the Association of Black Psychologists, uh, NABJ, the National Association of Black Journalists, you know, the NAACP, organizations like that. Um, We also use laughter, like comedy, using jokes. That's a way for us to be able to you know, push through. That has been a, a tool for us to be able to push through and connect with each other um, in our struggle and build the community in that way. Um, and music, man, music has been a major tool. I know for me personally, but within our community, that's been a major tool as well um, to, to lend to our healing and, and restoration. Um, all of these, all of these tools, all of these means of, of healing, They've been great for our survival. And I think when it's paired with getting assistance from a therapist as well, it can really elevate our healing as a community. You know, those are awesome tools, um, but they're tools that that can really be maximized in the context of therapy. I really believe that. Um, And if you believe this as well, that's my segue. (laughs) If you believe this as well and want to get plugged in with resources for therapy in your area, please feel free to connect with us for real. If you guys want to get connected with with resources, therapeutic resources in your community, please, please, please feel free to connect with us um, via IG, Instagram. Our uh, handle is at all shades of black podcast or feel free to shoot us us an email at um, all shades of black podcast at gmail.com. 
All right. So this has been part one of our Foundations of Mental Health series, if you will. I guess we could call it that. Um, I hope you found it informative. I hope you found it insightful. um, And I, I hope it was helpful. If you dig it, please feel free to follow, subscribe, and share our podcast. Um, We look forward to continuing this journey to understanding our mental health, our Black mental health with you. Um, Before we end, I want to leave you with the affirmation for the day or for the week, however you feel to use it. So our affirmation for today is as follows. I am seen. I am cared for. I am worthy of love. I see me, I care for me, and I know I am worthy of love. Peace and love, my good people. Until next time, be blessed. Happy, happy, happy Friday, my good people. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, Today is going to be a good day. Yes, it's going to be a good Friday. It is a happy Friday. You hear me saying it over and over again because I'm trying to manifest it. Not going to lie, this has been a rough week for me. Y'all ever have one of those weeks where you feel like just doesn't feel like things are lining up in your favor? You guys ever feel like that? Like things are just not aligning in your favor and support that's how kind of how like this week has felt for me it's been rough it's been a rough one and I feel like it might be an accumulation of things not just this week but as you guys know it's been a rough few months beyond the COVID pandemic um, having to face what we already know to be true in a more vivid light um Oh, the shadows and the devastation of white supremacy and racism um, and all the complexities that come with that, with the experience of being black in America. So just I think it was I think it's just been a week where uh, an accumulation of reflecting along with just feeling like things aren't working out the way you expect them to work out. Uh, But you know what? I am declaring that it's going to be a great Friday for myself. And I am declaring for you that it's going to be a great Friday. Amen. Everyone, make sure you guys stay safe. Adhere to the regulations and guidelines. We want to make sure that we fight against this COVID. I know everybody has their own thoughts and philosophies about what's going on. Um, You do you. But uh, I always err on the side of caution and I encourage you to do the same, not for the sake of yourself, but for the sake of others. Uh, If you hold your beliefs um, that are contrary to the CDC, I say, you know, you have your beliefs, but uh, make sure your actions are in care for your neighbor. Amen. So that means making sure you take necessary precautions. I'm not saying get stressed out and and overwhelmed by anxiety, but I mean, people's lives are are at risk here. So um, just make sure that you clean your hands, which you should be doing anyway, COVID or or not. Please, guys, wash your hands, wear your masks, cover your face. If you're not wearing a mask, cover your face when you sneeze and cough in an appropriate way. Um, But really, really encourage everyone to just stay safe, stay home if you can. Um, 
just we, we got to work through this. We got to care about each other and how things are working out um, for our good. We got to make sure that we, we are a part of building goodness for the community. All right. I'm off my soapbox. I hope everybody's doing well this week. So I'm doing something different. I know last week we um, we kind of set up a series about mental health in the black community, kind of the basics of it, the history of it, um, what it looks like. And I was hoping we'd be able to jump into a conversation about transgenerational trauma, which we will um, probably next week. But um, I want to take a break away from the series, even though we just got started. I do want to break away a little bit from it because I feel the need to address what's been going on in real time. Uh, I was planning to address Black Lives Matter, police brutality, some of the comments that celebrities have made in a future episode, um, and some of the things that I've just been observing I'm doing that in a future episode, but it just doesn't feel right to continue to discuss mental health in the black community without addressing what's going on in the present. I don't have anything written down, so (laughs) forgive me if I ramble, but um, just having some reflective thoughts, hopefully it'll be an opportunity for someone to feel, you know, feel understood, heard, seen, connected. Um, or maybe even give some new insight, thought, a uh, different perspective on, on how things have been going. I didn't watch the George Floyd video on purpose. I, I did that once before where I watched um, police brutality uh, on camera. It was with Philando Castile, and I didn't even make it through the video. And I don't know why I decided to watch it, but I did. Um, and I have vowed since then to not watch it because I don't need to see what I, uh, in order to believe um, what I already know to be true. But um, I I feel hurt as a black person, as a black woman, as a human being to see the pain that is being perpetually placed on black people. I am a feeler. Uh, I don't know if I have an identifier as an empath, but I do have strong empathy for people. And when I learn about traumatic events that happen in communities, even outside the black community, I feel impacted as a human being. There's something that hits when it is not only a person who is a part of your cultural community when you see that type of uh, brutality, but when you come from an understanding of a pattern of hate that is strategically placed against your community, that hits in in a different way. Last Thursday was Tamir Rice's birthday. And he would have graduated from high school. And I think about that because it was also one of my nephew's birthday last Thursday. And he just graduated to start high school. It's certain parallels like that um, that I think I unintentionally make um, those connections. But it 
I think it's a very human thing to do to connect in that way because not just because they share a birthday but because my nephew is a young black boy um soon to be young black man the world probably perceives him likely perceives him as a black man definitely perceives him as a black man um even though he's in his adolescence um i I really am at a loss for words on how to even process that. Um, to have somebody so young have their have their future taken away from them. I think about Brianna Taylor, who is yet to have justice through a system that protects her murderers. Yeah, there's just a lot to reflect on. And I'm noticing how um, how things have slowed down. And I know people have called it called that out. Like, let's not let's not slow down, especially on social media. Let's not slow down this this energy. Let's keep that energy. Uh, Black lives do matter. We're seeing an uprise of changes that are, you know, uh, corporations are making changes with. Um, addressing discrimination and racism, speaking out about it, um, you know, painting Black Lives Matter on streets or changing street names to Black Lives. That was petty, beautifully petty. <laughs> I don't even know if I would call it petty. I would call it, to, uh, it could be petty, but in a good way. It was petty, um, but uh, strategic maybe to re rebrand the street name in front of the white houses black lives matter i love that um <laughs> but i mean all of those things are are great for raising awareness but as someone who has been around panels who who has been in front of panels not in a panel but as, actually, I have. I have been a part of a panel um, discussing race and racism as someone who has been a part of those conversations with people who are not black and have been uh, sought out to discuss issues regarding uh, racism. Um, I am irritated because I feel like we've been talking and having conversations for far too long without action. And we've been very specific the black community who has been in favor of Black Lives Matter has been very specific about the action that needs to take that needs to be taken at this time. Changing street names, uh, writing Black Lives Matter. I do like the street name thing, so I'll take omit that. But <laughs> writing Black Lives Matter on streets, um, posting something on uh, Instagram, or uh, what was it I saw the other day? Um, in Texas, there were realtors who were wanting to change the master room to just large bedroom or something like that. Okay, these are all like good for you, pat on the back. I don't even know if I would give a pat on the back. Like, okay, that's nice for you to be able to realize those things that we have been shouting at the top of our lungs about. But that's not what, what we asked. You're still not listening. <laughs> like you are still not getting it. How are you still not getting it? That there's been a very specific message for police officers who killed Breonna Taylor 
to be arrested for the police officers who killed Elijah McLean to be arrested. Um, the list goes on and on. I still think George Zimmerman should have repercussions and consequences for his actions. Okay? Uh, the people who killed Emmett Till, whoever's still alive there, there should, be, there should still be justice for Emmett Till. I mean, all of these lives... But we didn't ask for all of that. We didn't ask for you to change master bedroom. We didn't ask you to paint Black Lives Matter. We didn't ask you corporations to post your empathy, businesses to post your empathy. What we are asking, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. But in addition to that, you need to make effort to push the authorities that be to bring justice that they claim to uphold, justice for Breonna Taylor. Those police officers need to be arrested. They don't need to be on leave. They need to be fired, and they need to be uh, in court. Same for Elijah McClain. Same for, um, you know, all the, other, all the other deaths that have been made. There needs to be justice. Court cases need to be re reopened and reevaluated. There's got to be change. In addition to that, so we've been very specific about specific cases, what needs to be done. In addition to that, legislation needs to change. The police department, there needs to be adjustments in the police department. There need to be adjustments with funding that's going into the police department and how those, those funds are utilized. These are very specific changes. I, I don't quite understand why. No, 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 I take that back. I do understand. Because people like to create distractions. Okay, this is where we're going to get a little technical with the mental health. Okay? So there are different types of therapy um, that um, therapists use. Some people are eclectic and they use different, you know, use a collection of, of theories. But there's one theory called the general systems theory. And in this theory, it's held that or it's observed that families have the tendency to have a, a state of homeostasis. And this, I'm going to speak in terms of families and then just stick with me on how it relates. So families have the tendency to have a homeostasis and homeostasis is just like what is the norm for an environment right basic what is the norm for an environment so within the context of a family what is the norm for the family how are things usually done that's just the way things are in our family now this doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy you know that could be a healthy or unhealthy circumstances a healthy or unhealthy behavior patterns, healthy or unhealthy uh, communication styles, healthy or unhealthy um, environments. But there's this homeostasis, the way things are and the way things operate in a family. Okay? So when we look at the homeostasis of a family, um, this theory upholds that the response to potential change is usually to maintain a state of homeostasis. Because no matter how toxic an environment may be, people can get very comfortable because that's what they know. And that's what they're used to. 
All right, so if a family has poor communication skills, um, has poor behavior patterns amongst the family members, if somebody comes in and challenges that, the family may respond in a way to maintain that homeostasis, to maintain that environment, environment, no matter how toxic and damaging or how uh, dysfunctional that may be. Now, that could go on the flip side. If everything's healthy and somebody comes in, of course, you're going to be like, uh, no, slow your roll. But even in toxic and, and damaging and dysfunctional environments, there may be pushback unconsciously. It could be unconscious. Not everybody's intentional about that. But to return to a state of familiarity. All right. So there's, there's a couple of ways, according to this theory, that, um, that families tend to want to maintain this state of familiarity called homeostasis. Um, if there is something to disrupt the, the comfort or to disrupt the norm, some family members may respond by pushing that disruption out, just changing the disruption so that it, everything falls back in line. There's another way of responding, perhaps in addition to or, or absent from the first way, but another way, another way of responding is to adjust, family members adjust their own behavior so that it shifts the environment back to the homeostasis. Even when there's that element of change in there, everything else adjusts so that that norm returns. So when I look at that, I think about how things have been in the past few weeks. So there was a disruption to America's homeostasis. There was a disruption to America's norm. And in response to that, the people who benefit the most, I'll start there, people who benefit the most from the toxicity and the, and the dysfunction of America, historical dysfunction of, the, of America, are typically the ones who make the adjustment. So those who benefit, basically those who benefit from white privilege, I notice, are the ones who are quickest to want to return to the norm. But even those who don't necessarily benefit from white privilege directly or don't benefit from white privilege, black folks, other people of color, it's not surprising that there are some, some black people, I'll speak to, to us, there are some black people who are just exhausted and want to return to the norm. There are going to be some black folks who want to return to the norm, even though the norm was not in our favor. Um, and I don't necessarily see the need to how do I put this, to despise them or to hate them or cancel anybody for, for having the tendency to want to return to the norm. Because I do believe, I do believe that part of, of this theory, I do think that it's applicable in most families, um, as it is, I think, on a, on a more macro scale level, that People do have the tendency to want to return to what's familiar, even if it's not in their favor. And I also realize that that tendency for us as black people, it's tied to a manifestation of our trauma from our racial trauma and from white supremacy, right? Uh, 
it's a it's a type of the norm is not in our favor but the disadvantages are familiar to us we are living in a pandemic covid pandemic we'll just talk about that one there's a sense of uncertainty already so when you have an added uncertainty about the future as a black person not just because of police brutality and the racism that you know but now that there's a challenge to that some people may may feel the need to return to what was normal because there's uncertainty about how things will go if we challenge the norm not no matter how uh, dysfunctional that norm was personally i do not want to return to the norm because we know that's not i know that's not good for me um and a return to that is not going to be helpful for you know future generations um and and i refuse to be a part of a cycle that causes future generations to have to continue to deal with the type of trauma and BS that we are deal- dealing with now. I'm always an advocate for pushing things, moving things forward and, and having a social justice progress. Um, but again, I'm not going to cancel a black person for responding to something like this in that way because that is their humanity. I would challenge that. I wouldn't cancel them, but I would challenge that um, lovingly to say, you know, I know that there's a tendency to, I know that there is there is a comfort in, in what's familiar, but sometimes you got to disrupt that comfort um, in order for there to be change. I, I Scratch that. There always needs to be discomfort in order for there to be change. That's why it's so important for us to move in community and to act in community and to unify um, so that there can be a wrapping around of care and love for individuals who do want to return to the norm uh, within the community uh, so that there can be a certainty. There needs to be some stability to know that there's somebody who has my back if things go awry. Um, if, they, if there's no feeling of, of security in that, there's no feeling of security in a community. There's no feeling of security in a in a, a, a health pandemic. And there's no feeling of security in, in the future as a black person. There's going to be a tendency to want to hang on to what you know because there's security in that. What I what somebody may say is, I know that racism is bad, but I'm familiar with the with how things functioned. Dis, excuse me, I'm familiar with how things dysfunctioned. Um, in the old way, uh, it didn't feel good, but I, I'm adjust, I've adjusted to that pain. I know how to deal with that. I don't know what type of new pain will come if we do not return to that. Um, so my point in saying that is that I really encourage us to fight against that tendency or fight against that urge to return to America's homeostasis, to return to uh the comfort scratch that to return to the familiarity with dysfunction and the familiarity with the systemic racism and white supremacy um there's got to be change and it's going to take more than posts it's going to take more than um than sitting at home and and being upset about it. If we're going to experience change, we're going to have to come to terms with the fact that discomfort is inevitable. 
And as black people, we've already experienced discomfort on mega levels, um, which is why it's so important for us to really build community, sincere, caring, loving, understanding, grace-filled community. And it's going to take grace to ourselves. It's going to take grace to each other because we are all on different levels of consciousness. And we are all on different levels of processing our racial trauma. Some people don't even know they have racial trauma. And we are all at different levels of navigating our pain um, and releasing it and turning it into motivation and power. We are already powerful beings. We need to ensure that we share grace because where there's grace, there is a necessary amount of comfort to uphold hope and faith. I think that's really where I am right now with my process of everything. Just seeing how things are kind of reverting back to pre-protests 2020. So I really don't have anything specific else to share with you guys. I just kind of wanted to get on here and process my thoughts hopefully bring some encouragement, maybe bring some insight to another view of of what's been going on as of late. Um, And I want to clarify when I say show grace to one another, I don't mean ignore comments that are contradictory to the movement. I think accountability is still necessary. When I say grace, I mean, let's be careful about how quick we cancel people. Um, especially within the community. I think we deserve more grace than those who have not had our black experience or those who have a shared black experience. Um, But yeah, accountability is important, but I think we can still have accountability with each other while showing grace and love. Um, That's all I got to say. If you guys have thoughts... um, on the topic or would like to hear more about what I shared in terms of a mental health family systems perspective on what's been going on, please feel free to comment on our page, um, on our Instagram page at All Shades of Black Podcast, um, or feel, feel, feel free to shoot us an email at all, all Shades of Black Podcast at gmail.com. I would like to end this episode. Y'all like my singing? (laughs) I told you I didn't come on here with any script or outline. I just came talking. You're going to get all the silliness. 